Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, this is Jamie Nato, and you're listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, episode number 404. This is Flashback Friday. You sound (laughs) like you're running a radio show over here, Jamie Nato. (laughs) Well, it's just a little side thing I've been doing, you know, practicing. Uh, Welcome back to The Happy Hour. Hey, yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. In fact, you were on episode 68, and today's episode 404. So I've had a handful of conversations since you. It was January of 2016 that your show released. And I do want to tell you, Jamie, I still get people come up to me and say that your episode was monumental for them and changed something in their life and in their marriage. And I just want to hear from you, 2016 to 2021, you spend a lot of your time talking about your story. And give us a real big, quick picture of it, because they're going to hear the whole thing in today's episode. But what I want to hear from you is, what has it been like for you to now turn into mentor, cheerleader, encourager of women who are walking through what you walk through? Yeah, I mean, I cover a lot of topics. I think my life is just multi, you know, everyone's life is multifaceted, right? Like, you're not just one thing that happened to you. But what we do get the great joy to do is help people who are struggling in their marriages due to infidelity. and that's how I spend a lot of my time. You know, it's intermingled with faith and humor and all these other things that, you know, home renovations, we started a coffee shop. There's so many things going on, but our greatest joy is to help people who feel alone and feel like they're doomed and there's no hope for their marriage. And I remember when we were going through it, it was really hard for me to find Christians who were talking about it openly and honestly. Mm -hmm. And where I could find someone to help me. So the resources weren't there. There's a lot more now, I think. Mm -hmm. But at the time when I was going through it, there wasn't enough. So I feel like if I can just talk about it and show people God's grace and mercy, um, show what healing looks like. I think if you watch us, my husband and I on Instagram, you can't fake joy and you can't fake you know, this enjoyment, we are truly like best friends and we enjoy each other. And that is God's mercy to us. And so I want people to see that. I want people to know that. I want them to know that there is life after, you know, you think your marriage is dying. And there were times when I just needed to see people win, you know, in the area I was trying to win in. So for marriage after infidelity, I just needed to see people enjoying each other. Like, Mm. can you enjoy each other again? Because right now I think I might kill him. Um, You know, it's so painful and I want to run away or I have one foot out the door. So we get to do that for other people. And that's a great joy. Can you help me on my timeline real quick? We're in 2021 now. We did the episode in 2016. What year was it that your marriage fell apart? Well, dates are tough, but I would say that was about, was it? 
13 okay. years ago. Okay. You know, it's been a long while. It's been a long while. Now, I want to ask you this because I think I'm curious. Journeys of healing are a journey. That's what, you know, it's a journey of healing. And I know that you're in a better spot today than you probably were when we talked the first time. And you're in a much better spot than you were 12 years and 364 days ago. But walking alongside people now, I know it's a great joy. You guys do it faithfully. You guys do it like with humility. You do it with kindness. You do it with the gospel. But is it ever draining? It's not draining. I think people also think it must be triggering for me to tell the story over and over again or that it's draining. I look at it like, do you wonder if Moses ever got sick of talking about how God parted the sea for them? Wow. You know, do you think people, we read these stories over and again, over and over again, the Bible is full of stories, personal stories where God showed up for people to make it about him, right? And not about their story. And I think, did they ever get bored of telling that story? I doubt it. Mm. It was such a miracle that it doesn't drain me. I get a lot of energy from it, which is why I can keep talking about it. And I think when you're going through it, that's different than when you have some distance from it and you've healed properly and, you know, the healing journey always continues, but we've had enough distance. Again, it's a joy for us to do it because I get to tell people I was getting a divorce. I really was. I was going to leave my husband. My plan was to get out while Mm -hmm. I could. I mean, I was young enough. We were only in two years. Yeah. Uh, I only had two kids. I felt like, okay, this is the time you can make your move. And my heart was set on that. And God changed my heart and God gave me this miraculous forgiveness and God gave my husband miraculous repentance. And so you have that reconciliation and that redemption, you know, us coming together with that. And I think it's just a miracle. I sometimes think, are people getting bored of hearing this? But I can't stop talking about it. So too bad. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Too bad. You know, it makes me think, We had the incredible privilege to travel to Rwanda together early 2020 before the pandemic started. And you and I both experienced conversation after conversation of radical forgiveness and radical repentance. And I remember being there thinking, this is the gospel. Like, this is how we live as followers of Jesus. And that's what you and NATO have walked through is this radical, like taking God at his word taking God at his word, that we can repent, that we can forgive, and that there can be joy found in that. And I think it's beautiful. Jamie, one thing I've heard about your episode, number 68, that people are about to listen to right now is a lot of people say, my friend sent it to me because I was walking through this, or I sent it to a friend. And so your story has been changing lives uh, for the past couple of years. So what do you say right now to the person that's listening, that's about to hear your story, they're about to hear you walk through it, and they're really thinking, I've been really hurt and I want to jump out. What is like, give them a little bit of nugget of encouragement. I would just say, don't underestimate the change that God can bring about in your heart. He is a miracle worker. Mm. And I didn't even trust myself enough to think that God could change my heart. I thought my heart was too far gone for God to change it. And I think if there's anything that can bring hope, it's that a stubborn, hard-hearted woman with no hope, it seemed, for her marriage. And God made a miracle. And it can happen for you. It can totally happen for you. Jamie, I love you. I'm so grateful that we get to be friends and go to Rwanda and make Instagram videos about hormones and, you know, sex drive and all the things. And in all honesty, I want to tell you this. I appreciate the work you're doing in your community. I appreciate the work you're doing online. And people are loving Jesus more because of you and your story. So... Thank you. All right, guys, here is episode number 68.
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn ebay motors is here for the ride elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own led headlights spoilers whatever you need ebay motors has it at affordable prices and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Good morning, Jamie. What's up? We're meeting for the first time ever. I know. It's kind of weird. So I think the first person that told me I should have you on is Shannon Martin. She's pretty okay. I'm claiming her as a friend now. She's pretty okay. And then I just saw that you were on Jessica Thompson's podcast. Yes. And I love her. I am obsessed with her, so I hate to one-up you. We, we've, I've never met her in person. She's been on the she's show. so funny. Their family is so funny. And um, I knew I was going to like you, though, because I went to your blog, and you're about your very, pers- your very second sentence says, one thing you should know about me is that I cuss sometimes, but I really love Jesus. <laughs> I forgot that's on there. Maybe that's a little too abrasive as a first. It's the second okay. sentence, but then the third says, I don't pretend to have it all together. Right. Maybe that's why we need Jesus. And I'm like, I like her. <laughs> well, I think if you're going to come to the blog, and it, I guess that's why that's in my about section. If you're going to come to my blog and expect some super amazing Christian with a lot of incredible um, insights for your crafternoon, then <laughs> I just <laughs> don't want to disappoint people. And... Sometimes, you know, if you tell people up front, like, hey, I'm a cusser, then it's not as surprising, (laughs) you know, when I drop one. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. I've, I, um, this, here's a funny story for you about cussing. I was at a women's retreat this weekend and said the S word 
Not sex, not stupid. Those are bad words that my kids say the S words are. Right. I said the S word in the ladies retreat. (laughs) Wait, on stage? Yeah, with a microphone in my hand. It was was a very poor choice. That's what happens when I go off my notes. I, when I speak, you'll see it's word for word because I don't trust myself without that. And clearly I have proved myself that that is true. I should not be trusted. Now I'll tell you this. Cause I told Aaron and he's like, did you really do that? Like, come on, like, oh. come on, get yourself together. But it was in an example and it was a really good example. After I told him, he's like, oh, okay, that's really good. So right. <laughs> it wasn't oh, just like, I just kind of was like, oh, and then said it. Was it now? What was the uh, crowd reaction? Was there a gasp? Or well, what happened was I was like, I was starting to tell the example, and then my brain started going, "Stop, Jamie! Stop! 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 This yeah, is not yes, going well." That- and so I kind of stopped in the mid, and I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to tell this example. You know, I'm sorry. I was about to say something inappropriate." And they all looked at me like, "No, keep going." And so I just kept going and they laughed. And so, and then I left and they'll probably never <laughs> ask me back again, but that's what right. happened, you know. Let someone else do the cleanup crew on that. I, I just walk out. <laughs> just you drop the mic out. and you walk out and then you let other people deal with that. That's my yep. life motto. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we can be friends. Yep. That's, that's what happened there. But that's <laughs> how I knew that I was going to like you. Okay. So welcome to the happy hour. What's up? Thanks for coming on my show. Tell yeah. everybody, like, if someone's like, who's Jamie Nato? Oh. Besides someone that cusses a little and loves Jesus a lot. Right. Who, who are you? What do you do in life? What's your world? Okay. It gets, it's complicated like everyone's story, but I, I have four kiddos. I have been married for 10 years, and I... Write a little. I run, I'm like entrepreneur for another company. Um, so I kind of split my time doing um, both of those things. And this year is the first year I changed from being a stay at home mom for 10 years. And then this year I needed to get some stuff done. I'm writing a book. And I was like, I cannot finish this book by stealing 30 minutes here and there because the subject matter I feel like is just too intense. It's like a lot of emotions and I have to kind of dig deep. And so stealing 30 minutes here and there was just not Mm -hmm. working for me. So I prayed about it, talked about it for a long time and came to the conclusion that I, I really felt like God has been asking me to write a book for a while. And I kept saying, I feel like it's rude of you to ask me this, God, when you haven't provided. <laughs> rude. <laughs> like, I, I can't do this like, I can't write a book full-time, run this company that kind of funds everything for this book, and then also be a full-time mom. That's like three full-time jobs, and I don't, you're just, I feel like he wasn't making a way. Mm-hmm. And um, then during the summer, as I kind of worked, struggled through that, Just a bunch of things happened, and we decided I'm going to take this year or however long it takes and just really buckle down, focus. So I work 40 hours a week from home, have a nanny, eat my words all day long, and and I'm doing it. You're doing doing, it. I'm doing the thing, (laughs) which is I don't know what. I just feel like I wake up every day, and I'm like, is this? am I doing the right thing? Like, what is going on in my life? I, it's, it's, it's hard when you feel called to do something, it doesn't mean it's easy, you know, or that you won't ever doubt yourself or 
And sometimes I forget that. I think if you're called to do something, you should just be able to sprint through it and it should be rainbows, unicorns, chocolate chip cookies all day long. And I'm learning it's a bit tougher than that. Yeah. Don't we wish it was just like unicorns and rainbows and chocolate chip cookies? Mm. But then we would just do the things that were just easy for us. So easy. It's, it's, I tell people the the most growth that I've ever seen in my life, the most change for the better has always been in super uncomfortable moments. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes those moments are literal moments and sometimes they are, you know, a longer period of time, a year, a couple of years. And, but that's, I think I don't really want to do this because it's hard for me and I don't, and I, and it's going to challenge me. So I have this thing in the back of my head that's like, if you're going to fail, then just don't even try. Yeah. I, yeah. And maybe that's everybody, maybe that's, that's a voice in everybody's head, but it's pretty loud for me. And so, uh, just, and really what that is is tough. And really what that is, is like pride because we're like, I'm going to save myself because if there's a chance that I could fail, then my pride will keep me from doing it because I don't want to look like a failure. Complete self-protection. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pride. I am a self-protector. I know that about myself. So it's good for me. And, and God does it time and time again because he loves me, not because he's, you know, here's another challenging situation because um, I'm mean. He is <laughs> rude. He is, yeah, rude. He gives me these opportunities to see him more. And I'm so stubborn and I am, I love comfort so much that that's just the story of my life. Uncomfortable situations. I'm, I'm awkward. And then, you know, so that doesn't help anything. And then, um, and then I have these big things that I have to do that challenge me so far beyond myself, which means a lot of leaning on God. I think that we're walking in the same world right now. <sighs> it's good to know I'm not alone. You're not alone. Okay. I want to hear more about your book, but I want to hold that off for a minute because okay. what I first want to tell you is I feel like I owe everybody in Kansas City a congratulations. And you, you totally do. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, this show is going to be airing a long time after y'all won because we're going to be well into December when this comes out. But let's not forget, if you're listening, about the World Series. Don't forget about it because I guarantee you that by Christmas time, Kansas City will have not forgotten and perhaps <laughs> our city spirit might be even greater. So we tell me. Have you always been a Kansas City fan? Uh, no, I grew up in Texas. Don't tell anyone. But Where? I'm in Texas. So a, a little little tiny town oh. called Amarillo, right in oh. the panhandle. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, nothing. it's just a luscious um, garden area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, here's the thing about the panhandle, and people from Texas will think it's funny. No one, think, no one remembers the panhandle exists. It's like all of Texas, yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, I think there's some cities up there. Right. Oh, is that Oklahoma? Right. (laughs) We're still part of you guys. (laughs) Please be our friend. Hey, well, first, I need to call you out on this because if people are from Texas, they're proud of it. Why are you not proud of this? Well, now I have... I have seen the error of my ways. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do love Texas. It's just that for... You don't know it, but there's a lot of Texas... God, it's... I don't want to say arrogance because I don't want to... Um, um, it's true. I don't want to make people angry, but you know, they're very prideful about where they come from and how they do things. And so I, I had grown up like that. And then when you have to move and you're the new kid and you're thrown into a new environment, 
uh, say maybe you move from Texas to Kansas and um, it and gets you real. think it Texas real. is all there is. You think you there's think no other states thing. here except for us. Right. I'm like, oh, you guys exist. Right. You're just kind of arrogant and nobody likes that. So I kind of learned the hard way. That is so funny because I've lived in Texas almost, almost my whole life, but I lived in Tennessee for five years out of my life. That's it. Otherwise, I've been here in Texas. And right. I learned when I went to Tennessee that nobody has the Tennessee flag tattooed on their body. No. And no. nobody has its like – on walls in their homes no. like nobody does that no one and people it's a very here, it's, yeah it's as if we're our own country we know this you Us you Texas all people, know that yeah. and you and but and see that's the thing you know it and you secretly just love it so <laughs> and you're you know so proud of it and I want to throw this on as well I'm in Austin and I think that us Austin people think that there are no other cities in the state right which that might be true if I had to pick a place, you know. I think it's true. But then again, I think Austin's the best city in the whole country. And so there I go right. again. Which is so awkward for you because it's Kansas City and that you just don't know that yet. <laughs> but I think after the World Series situation, 800,000 people just showed up. I saw that. Decade. They planned for 100,000. 800,000 showed up. We had no riots, no stampedes. Three people got arrested for something that's minor or whatever. And that was it. Like that was that was you all have some good people is what you're saying. It's basically the best. There's a lot of I will say even I don't know what it was, but a couple years ago, Kansas City, we became very um excited about our city and and really proud to be here. And people, I don't know, individually but separately maybe, as an introvert would say. But together, but separately, we kind of, everybody kind of did their part. We started loving the city. We kind of all had our own causes, and we kind of just started working together across lines. There's a lot of um, lines in our city, and it's been like that for a long time. And so people just started coming together. So this happened, this was starting to happen before the Royals. The Royals have been pretty rotten over the years. Yeah, that's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, it's not been, but, you know, you just stick it out. And, and so we had been, get, you know, really excited about our city. And then the Royals kind of just tied us all together um, with a nice, pretty blue bow. So I think nobody wanted – we don't want to tear up our city. We love our city. We're trying to make it a better place, um, you know, as nerdy as that is to say. No, it's nobody not. Nobody wants to tear up their city. No. It's just a pride in where you are and a pride in your people. And I love that. And I told you in a text that I became a, a Royals fan for the World yes. Series. Like, you have to pick a team. I mean, it doesn't matter who, who you like. Right. And that's who I was going for because of you and then one of the players' wives that I follow on Instagram, which I think is kind of weird, the world that we live in, that you follow people on Instagram and then you cheer for their husband's team. Right. That's weird. It's so natural. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and so I was cheering for you guys the whole time. So let me tell you what happened in game five. It was five, right? Yeah, game five. That's all it went to, right? Right. Yeah. So game five on a Sunday night, my husband works all day on Sunday. So he comes home and I'm watching the game like because it's the World Series. And that's when I watch baseball is World Series. Right. That's it. Um, and so I'm watching the game. Y'all are down two to one. And he comes in and he's like, do we seriously have to watch this? And we have okay. one TV in our house that like plays that works without right. like, a DVD. So we have one TV. And so I decide, well, they might lose. There'll be another game. 
I'll be the good supportive wife. You've been working all day. You can watch Last Man on Earth. Which, are you watching that show by any chance? Last Man I, on Earth? I'm not, but I've heard so many good things about it. Really funny. So we start watching that. It's over. We're about to go to bed. He turns back to TV, and y'all are up like nine to one. What, is, what was the final score? I don't even know because I was out in my street. Um, okay, so y'all, y'all were up, and I saw the very last two batters, and I was so mad at Aaron. I was like, I cannot believe what you made me miss. It was so good. It was so beautiful. I mean, at it the was- end of the day, who cares? We don't live in Kansas City. I'm not like a huge fan, but still, right. I was just like, this would have been such a fun game to watch, and instead of watching this, a good game. I love a good game. I don't care who's playing. Everybody likes a good game. Everybody likes the underdog. Everybody likes the team that should not have won. You know, and then they, they kill it. So. And they do it at, you know, we always look like we're losing and then yeah. pull it together. It's just such a good story. Was, I mean. It was a fun team to watch in the World Series. So kudos to you guys in Kansas City. Yeah. Proud of y'all. Good city. Super good city proud of y'all. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Let's talk about your book that you're writing because I think okay. that. I'm guessing I'm going to just go out on a limb here because I don't know what you're writing a book about, um, but I'm guessing it's what I want to talk to you about. So am, okay. I, am I right? Yeah, I, I don't know, but let's, let's, let's go. go there. Let's get there. Um, I am writing a book about my husband had an affair um, a couple years ago, like seven years ago, and uh, we were super Christians. We were like the A-team Christians uh-huh. and pretty amazing. And for the Lord, he needed us. And so we were these awesome churchy people, and we were doing all the things and on all the teams and in all the accountabilities and reading all the books and et cetera, et cetera. I won't bore you with our incredibleness. Well, I mean, it sounds just like the best Christians for sure. It's, yeah, you should feel bad about yourself. <laughs> um, so we were just... I don't know, trudging along in, in our Christianity, I would say. And um, my husband had this kind of secret life happening, and it, it didn't go on for very long. I mean, we're talking a couple months. Mm-hmm. And praise the Lord for that. Right. And um, it kind of just, it destroyed it destroyed me. Um, it destroyed him for sure. But for me as a person that really found a lot of identity in being a good Christian and, um, you know, doing a lot for the Lord. And so he kind of owed me like, you know, no suffering. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just, I hit the bottom. I hit the bottom really, really quick. And no one even believed me when I was saying, you know, this is something's wrong in our marriage. I mean, a lot of people just because my husband was such a good liar and he was in all the things. And I mean, you would just never believe. So you had this feeling like this, we'll call it gut, Holy Spirit, whatever it right. was. You had this feeling that something's off. Something was way off. Okay. And, but Did we you express this to your husband? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm talking, I'm a very outspoken person. Mm-hmm. I, 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 but we had just had a baby. He had just taken a new job. There were so many transitions going on. Uh-huh. That I decided to just kind of let some of it go because I didn't want to be that wife that hung on to every, you know, fought every battle and hung on to every little thing Mm -hmm. and all of that. But it it got pretty bad as in like he was not sleeping at our house every other night, but he works like a trauma job. Mm -hmm. And so that it was kind of that it's not. 
abnormal. Ab- it's not crazy, and he had a pager and all this stuff. Okay. Um, so it's not like super crazy, but I think you know. I think you know when something's off, and and I just felt it. So I tried to tell people, you know, something feels weird about this, and. We had just, we also just changed churches. We had been there for six months. And so, you know, you're kind of telling this to new, newish friends. Yeah. Hey, we're the new people. And I think my husband's having an affair. Right. Yeah. And, and we look like super Christians. So you'll mm-hmm. never believe this. Right. But our marriage, something's weird with our marriage. And I never said, I, I never said like, he's having an affair with another woman. Mm-hmm. I did use the language. Like, I feel like he's. He's having an affair, but it's with his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, something in me knew that his heart was not all mine. Yeah. And and his relationship with God was just off as well. And, and there were just so many red flags. So, by the time everything became public, mm-hmm. uh, it people had sort of known at that point that we were in a rough spot, Mm -hmm. but nothing you couldn't just, you know, kind of talk about with friends and work through is what everyone was thinking. Like, oh, your marriage will be fine. We'll just have a couple meetings and we'll have you over for dinner and we'll kind of just talk you down from the ledge. Mm -hmm. But I was a mess. I mean, I'm crying at people's dinner tables and I'm... Is this after you knew that it was actually an affair with a woman? This was before. I can't, I have never been great at, uh, not being quiet. Okay. <laughs> so I I was telling people and no one, I mean, I'm telling, I told my parents, I told, um, you know, our friends, I told our small group mm-hmm. and, and no one really believed me. Those were, those are kind of hurtful moments in that when I look back at that does sting a little, mm-hmm. um, for a person who values having a voice and, um, loves to help others have a voice, you know, that, that got taken away from me. So looking back, what do you wish would have happened when you had those vulnerable conversations with friends saying, Hey, something's off. Something's weird. You know, I, I also, um, give a generous assumptions about that, that people, you only know what you know. And he played such a great game on that. Mm -hmm. He just was an incredible, he was just incredibly deceitful. He's very charming. Um, I still say now when he, if you would watch him in a crowd or at church or anything, it legitimately looks like he's running for office. Like he is shaking. He's just one of those people. Oh, it has holding somebody's baby, Uh taking a package out to their car. I mean, he's just like, sometimes I can't find him. And there he is like chatting with people. Yeah the church and I'm like, I will hurt you right now in your face. Yeah. So, so you're expressing this and people are just like, it doesn't add up because they see right. your husband. Yeah. They're like, Hey, this is a really rough spot. Like that makes sense that this would be rough. You guys just had a baby. He's kind of figuring out his job, new job, new baby, new church. Yeah. So that, you know, it's not, it's, it wasn't that. And, and when everything did come out, I mean, people were incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just, there is, as a self-protector, when I look back on that, I think nobody protected me, and which is not true. But if, if you kind of grow up doing that, and that's kind of your mantra, that no one will protect me, so I must protect me, mm-hmm. 
And then when you can't do that for yourself, it's very, I mean, that was part of my fall. That was part of what hurt so bad when I fell so far down. Yeah. Um, and not to say that was incredible for me. That was very good for me. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, things you can do for people when they are expressing concern, particularly in marriage, is believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. So let's keep moving with this because you keep saying something that I want you to tell us a little bit more about. And you keep saying, um, I, I, hit, I hit rock bottom when I fell. All of this stuff. And there's someone listening that's like, how did you hit rock bottom? You weren't the one having an affair. <laughs> I also said that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Faith. <laughs> like, why am I hurting so bad? Well, why exactly. am I hitting rock? Not suffering because that's suffering. Someone um, losing that trust with someone. Right. But you're talking about it as if God changed you through this. Right. And so tell me and people that are listening that are thinking, you didn't do anything wrong. What, what did you have to change? Yeah, what's why is God working on you? Right. Um, I do try to, uh, when I speak about this, I do try to focus on what God was doing in me because my husband is already the villain. I think when people look at our marriage story and, and perhaps when they're hearing about it or whatever, he's already made out to be this villain, you know, the guy that did the wrong thing. And then I'm the victim. And I mean, that's how we kind of characterize stories in our head to make them make sense. Like I, I totally get that, but I really do try to focus on what God was doing in me because one, I'm not responsible for my husband or what the change that's happening in him. Mm -hmm. And I can't speak to that story completely. I watched him change and that was beautiful, but I don't know the ins and outs of that what was happening for him. I do know the ins and outs of what was happening in my heart. So that's what I generally try to focus on. Um, so yeah, as a super Christian and as someone who thought they were valuable based on what they did and their behavior, um, when, when something bad happened to me, despite my behavior, Mm -hmm. because I felt like, I was doing the 10 steps to affair proof my marriage. Like I was doing all the things I was, we were very involved. I mean, I felt like we're doing, Mm -hmm. we had accountability, Mm -hmm. we had rules, we had boundaries, we, everything. And so then when it happens to you, then you're like, why are you doing this to me? God, I am obeying you. Right. So there was some entitlement there um, that I had to work through. Like, I, I'm not sure. And so in that question I asked God is, I don't understand why you're choosing to work on this stuff with me now at the most low point of my life when I didn't do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so that question is basically pointing to entitlement and why is this happening to me is a great, if you, you know, if anyone's listening and you ask that question a lot, um, you know, working through what are you owed? Mm. And, and for me, I learned what I was owed was death and separation from Christ. And he saved me. And so I got life. Now, that doesn't mean I, I get anything else guaranteed for me. Mm-hmm. But my soul gets to be with Jesus. There's no separation there. 
And that's what I learned in the low point is, you know, that's all I have. This is all I have. This is all that's guaranteed for me. Everything else can get taken away, which did. I mean, I was looking, I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom anymore. I love staying at home with the kids. Um, I'm not, because I'd have to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, yeah. I I focused on his career for so long. I mean, we were building up his career, and so I'm staying at home, and I'm we're making a bunch of sacrifices, and um, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking at going back to work, and I had no, I mean, no training. I just felt like I would have to go back and get recertified. I would have to, there was so much that, what that meant for me, mm-hmm. and so it was the bottom for me. That yeah. was, that is how God brought me low, but that was how I experienced the gospel in a tangible way, mm-hmm. and that was how I realized that the gospel is not a hurdle to jump and then you become a Christian and then here's this book called the Bible and it's mm-hmm. full of rules and you just do these things and then and you're and you're good and you're like that means you're a Christian and it, that was not what it meant the gospel then became something I clung to every second of my day to get through the next minute I mean I needed the cross I needed Jesus I needed his death I needed him to help me walk to the shower and get in there like I needed him to help me I was so skinny it was so I mean I just felt like I was wasting away but food wasn't like my first Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes you know people go in that direction I'll eat more and fill up I I just didn't think about it I it wasn't like a I wasn't having a problem or you know anorexic situation I I legitimately it was not it didn't cross my mind and so I would set an alarm so that I would eat lunch. So at noon, I would make make my phone beep so that I would remember to go and methodically, mechanically chew a half of a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's how, and that was, Lord, help me, help me get this sandwich down. I mean, that's how much I needed Jesus. Yeah. Now, before, I only needed him to bring me good things mm-hmm. or help me find a parking spot or, um, you know, yeah. just before I needed him, when I needed him, he was my genie in a bottle. And then, you know, this all happened and I needed him to, I needed a miracle. So would you say boldly that you're thankful for this? You know, I've always said that and I get a lot of feedback. People don't like hearing that, mm-hmm. but I, I had said that, from the very beginning, I'm really grateful that God chose to love me in this way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't angry. I was not, it wasn't my response. I was a lot of other things, but I wasn't angry at God. I just needed him so much. There mm-hmm. was no even room for me to be mad. And I didn't have enough emotional energy actually to be mad at one, any, anything else. I was already <laughs> mad at my husband, but, um, so, yeah, I've always said I've been super grateful for that because it changed my life. Yeah, for sure. And I can think of so many other situations of people that I have and, my, and myself personally walked through stuff. And I would say I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it was hard to walk through, and I wish I wouldn't have had right. to. But because I walked through that... I need Jesus more. I see my. I say that with my parenting. Like God's given me some kids that are oh, difficult. Okay. 
Before I had those kids, I was like pro-parent. I mean, I could do seminars. Parenting was a breeze. Do you guys want me to write a book? Right. Exactly. Do you need like... Yeah. And then I get some kids that are difficult. And so then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I actually need you, Jesus. I thought I knew how to do this life thing. Right. Um, And so that's... I think about that all the time, you know. Okay. So, Jamie, when you... This all sounds amazing. I mean, how many years out are you? Seven. Seven years out. I'm grateful for this. I love Jesus more, blah, blah, blah. But what about that first month? When, Where, when I found out? Yeah. I mean, what did that first month look like? How did you – I guess my question is for – no doubt there are people listening that have walked through your shoes. And right. especially no doubt people are listening that will encounter this. Um. What did that first month look like? Did you realize your need for Jesus that much then? I I had already since I I felt like my marriage was going downhill. No one was listening to me and my husband was gone. Absent. I mean, mm-hmm. Absent literally and then like even conversations. I was like talking to a stranger. Mm. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I was alone. So for two months leading up to that and kind of that last month before everything happened, I was so alone and and had nobody, nobody was listening or believing me. And I started then needing Jesus. And I look back on that time and think that he drew me into him so near. I and I always think of things like visually I'm I'm a more of a creative minded person and so I think of that time as like being on a beach, the clouds are coming, it's dark, you know a storm's coming, you can hear the rumbling. Mm-hmm. And I look at that time as God holding my hand and leading me into the cleft of kind mm. of a deep rock um that will not be moved in the storm no matter what came, I, God drew me into the, I I knew the storm was coming Mm -hmm. and he was kind to say little whispers here and there that said like, I'm going to need you to get in close. Mm. And I mean, tender, tender moments, which of course I'm going to cry. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I don't sleep, but, um, with all these children, they're so naughty, (laughs) but, um, tender, tender moments where God, I mean, that was my first real moment of needing him. And so that tender, tender time of him leading me into the rock. And from then on, cause the storm did come and mm-hmm. it was bad. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I could trust him. Mm-hmm. He had done that. And I knew, you know, if he was kind enough to bring me into this cleft and I felt like I was really rooted. I felt like so we were on some kind of roller coaster and everyone was in the roller coaster, but I was the only one buckled in. I mean, everyone was freaking out. Everyone mm-hmm. was mad and angry and working through all their stuff. And I was watching it around me. Like everyone was flying out of the roller coaster and I was buckled in. Um, and I don't know how else to describe it, but because God had already brought me in mm-hmm. before the storm, mm-hmm. throughout the storm, I remained very, very close to Jesus through that. And I'm jealous of myself during that time mm. as I was so close. God is near. He said that he's near to the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's a promise. He, his nearness was so real. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I mean, I just felt like he was with me every night next to me in my bed. Like I felt like I could feel his breath on me. Mm. So those were tender um, moments mm-hmm. that I look back on and, and want again for myself, which is awful to say because, you know. It came with the suffering. It came with the mm-hmm. suffering. Not to say, you know, even after all of our marriage stuff, there's no guarantee that your life isn't hard again. And we have a special needs kiddo. And, you know, that's just another mm-hmm. way we get to practice what we learned in our other shit storm, as yeah. I call it. Leave yeah. that out. But we'll leave uh, it. we, you know, that's the only way we describe it is a shit storm because we feel like it should offend you. Mm. I feel like that should offend you when I say that. It should be abrasive. Um, because that was what was happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And there's no other word that kind of says what we were going yeah. through. So that month was difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of just getting through one minute at a yeah. time. That was, mm-hmm. that was what I did. I always think I just, I just taught about this this weekend about suffering. And one of my favorite scriptures, it says, you know, rejoice in your suffering. Um, because, Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, which will not put us to shame. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always think about that, and I have found myself lately very timidly being like, God, I really want to make it to the end. I want to persevere. I want to endure. I want my character to be so, like, high. I want want all of these things. And your word says that we can rejoice in our suffering because they produce that. Right. So God, I'm willing. It's hard to say. I'm willing to walk through whatever it is that's going to produce that in me. And that's a very scary thing to say. And I think I think that's a very easy thing for me to say right now because I'm not in a season of suffering. And so I think I want to say it now so that I can really really hope to believe that when I am. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, <sighs> that's It's there's that's the tension we live in. Mm-hmm. It's just the yeah, tension that yeah. we're in on this side of heaven. Like it's the tension we're in. And the only way you can really as a human be close to God, aside from some supernatural gift that he gives you in a moment here and there is deep, deep suffering. I mean, mm. I really believe that it's the, it's the only way that you will know how near he is. Yeah. And so would I ever change anything? No. Mm-hmm. Would I wish that my husband never cheated on me? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I am just so thankful for the gift that it gave me. If it was only for nearness to Christ, if I never got my marriage back, that was not the reward. Mm-hmm. The reward was nearness to Christ. That'll preach right there, Jamie. It's, I mean, but it's, that's how I learned it. Yeah. You can't just say that. I feel like. Deep calls to deep. And when you hear that, your soul says, yes, because I'm not faking it. That's not, hmm. that's not a lie. That's not something, that's not a posture. That's someone who's experienced deep suffering and has seen some things, <laughs> you know, that's, those people know the face of Jesus. Hmm. So once you get past once God is bringing this revelation to you about your need for him and bringing you so near to him and bringing you in um, 
I mean, that's just beautiful to think about him bringing you in before that storm started raging. I mean, the storm, it was raining already, you know. It was, it was. Um, and then the storm came and you were so near and, and, and boldly you say, if I never get my marriage back, I'm so near to God. But by the grace of God, you did get your marriage back. Right. Um, how did that, how did walking in forgiveness um, and reconciliation and how did all of that look for you guys? Uh, you know, that was also supernatural. I think if, if it's hard to explain, but if a lot of people ask me for help on this, you know, my husband cheated on me or my husband's addicted to pornography or whatever. Some people have some super, super deep hurts and I don't have like the best answer for that except that when all that stuff happened, there was a verse on our on our chalkboard that had been up for like months. I mean, it had a newborn, and so you know, you write something on a chalkboard and then you leave it for four years. Exactly. <laughs> there was my Pinterest moment four <laughs> years ago. Yeah. So I had this verse up on my board that said, um, you know, be tenderhearted towards one another and forgive each other like Christ forgave you. Something mm-hmm. to that extent. I will mess that up. I, yeah. I surprisingly don't have the Bible memorized. And what? It's a shocker, I know. But um, that verse was on the board, and I remember I'm crying, and I look up, and that verse is on there, and I thought, like Christ forgave me. Mm-hmm. Okay, how did Christ? Then I thought about it. How did Christ forgive me? And the other verse came to mind was, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and that meant before we had an apology, before we knew that we did something wrong before we got our act together, before we noticed that we were drowning Mm -hmm. and sinking and playing in the mud, Mm -hmm. before we even knew that, he said, I pick you. Mm -hmm. And God just did something in my heart to where he said, you know, I've given you so much grace. Now what will you do with it? And because I had been given so much grace, it was a little bit easier to extend that much grace. Mm-hmm. If you don't recognize that you need help and that you are just as awful as a person who sinned against you, it's very, very difficult to, to forgive someone mm-hmm. um, wholeheartedly, 100%, like God asks us to. Because that has to be a supernatural work. Yeah, God has to say... Here's your dark, dark heart, which God did for me. He said, hey, look at your husband. That's you. Mm -hmm. You whore after approval. um, Perfection. Pride. Yes. You whore after so many things Mm -hmm. every minute of your day. And I say, I choose you. Mm -hmm. And so because that was the painful part of the whole thing, God was dealing with me on my entitlement, my reputation, my idols. I am pleading for forgiveness. And then after he deals with me kindly in that way, gently in that way, says, now how? Now, what will you do with this husband of yours? Mm-hmm. And I had no, I had nothing except I, I, I was compelled to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Even in his sin, even when... He was still lying to me. There was a time, I mean, he had been caught and, and he still was continuing in his sin a little bit. And which is totally normal that you, you just got ripped out of your sin 
and then everyone expects you to be completely changed. Mm -hmm. But you didn't want to repent. Right. You, just <laughs> you just got caught. Which is like, AKA, let's look at our parenting. Exactly. Um, yeah. We expect our kids like, oh, now you got caught. That's like the, let's flip the switch. Uh -huh. And when really our, we should plead with our children. Like the, I know it's so hard. The only way you can change is that God would change your heart. Go up to your room and ask that God would change you. I mean, instead we say, be patient. And then that's our, that's, that's what we give our kids. Mm. Um, and, and that's what we give our spouses. And that's, we give them commands that they cannot fulfill aside from God doing a work in their heart. And so that's what I had to work through. Forgive someone who doesn't even want it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't even ask for it. Yeah. And God's like, what will you do? How did I forgive you? Oh, well, I was still sinning. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that's what I did. It was like a full-time job. I mean, anytime anything came to my mind, I was working through that. I, I, again, as a visual person, I looked at God handing me a big giant hand from the sky and he would hand me something and it could be awful timing. Like I'd be in the middle of the grocery store and something comes to my mind or, you know, you want to have a pretend conversation with someone and um, that never happened, or maybe that did happen, and here's what you wish you would have said. We all have those conversations, but you know, in the tar in the target aisle, and God's like, "Here's the thing I want you to work on right now." I looked at it as an intentional. It was permissive. It was permitted for me right in that moment. And God says, "Here's what I want you to work on." So instead of slapping His hand away mm -hmm. or trying to fix it, I would. Say, Lord, that really hurts. That's awful. And that makes me feel like completely unvaluable. Mm. And so I would just name how it made me felt. And then I would usually just say out loud, even in the target yelling, aisle. Some, uh -huh. target aisle, I'm yelling to a can of beans. Uh -huh. And I would say, I forgive you for, you know, getting naked with someone else. Like sometimes a, something would just haunt me, like a visual or whatever, and it would just haunt me. And finally I would get mad. That's enough. And now I'm just going to, I'm forgiving. Mm. And so I would say I forgive my husband for that moment that he did that and was intimate with someone else and called our marriage stupid. And, um, and then when it would come back up again in the next aisle, I would say the same thing over and over and over again until it left me alone. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was just my full-time job. That was mm -hmm. my full-time job for a month, mm. working through tiny, tiny moments. And they just didn't have power over me anymore mm -hmm. until when my husband finally did come home. I didn't need to work through every single hurt with him. Not to say he didn't deserve it. He mm -hmm. for sure deserved all that. And we, we did lots of work. But, you know, it just wasn't. I had already worked through those things mm -hmm. with God. Um, so I didn't need my husband to pay. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is like the gospel. I mean, and this is so anti the world. Because the world right. is saying, Jamie, you don't owe him anything. No. He has hurt you. He has looked at your marriage and said, this doesn't matter. Um, 
you can forgive him, but you don't have to love him or pursue any of this. And then you're like, but actually this is the gospel. And my favorite thing you've said so far today is that even if I did not get my marriage back, that I was near to God. Right. And I, um, I have not in my marriage, I have not personally been affected by, um, an affair, but, um, in relationships very close to me, I have, and it has hurt me and it didn't even happen to me. Okay. So, but so the ripples of affairs go very wide, um, which no one realizes when they're in the midst of it. Right. They just think it is going to affect themselves. Right. But early on in our marriage, and I'm telling you this to tell you how much God has changed me as a wife. Um, early on in our marriage, I looked at Aaron and I said, if you ever cheat on me, I'll never forgive you. And I'll never, and and I'll never stay with you. Absolutely. And here, yes. And here I am pastor's wife and I'm looking at my husband and saying, this is the thing. This is it. Right. And he literally, like it kind of, it upsets me now because he looked at me with the most like, like I had hurt him so deeply. And he was like, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. And I'm thinking, are you freaking kidding me? Like if you cheat on me, you don't deserve this forgiveness. Right. So God has been working in my life for years. And just literally in the past six months, um, did I come to this like awareness because I think I have seen my marriage that I want to be the perfect wife and I want to love Aaron so well so that he'll never cheat on me. Oh, right. So I'm serving him and loving him, not for God, not for our marriage, but just so like he can't, he doesn't need to find a better offer, right? Well, yeah, protect yourself. Protection, exactly. And over the past six months, it's like God has been like chiseling me away through outside circumstances and inside circumstances of like, Jamie, you don't love Aaron so that he won't leave you. You love Aaron because of how much I have loved you. Yes. And you don't, you don't get to not forgive someone. So everything you've been saying, I'm like, this has been the journey that God's even taken me personally on. And I haven't even walked through what you've walked through. Um, but just to look at my marriage is not something that is for me, not something that I deserve, not something to make me feel good. Right. Um, but to look at it as like a part of the gospel. And so who am I to tell Aaron, I, if you do this one thing, I'll never forgive you. Yeah. And it's, you're just, it's, I did the same thing. I think, I think a lot of people do that. And I think you're saying it to your husband. I think you're saying it to God. You know, this is the thing that don't I don't do this for. Yeah. So you can do anything else, but right. let's not go there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't as if you could change someone's heart. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love what you were saying though, like if we could look at that in, in our the way we raise our children, if we could look at that in the way that we do church, as in this is not about me. Mm-hmm. This is not for me. Like this is unto Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that would radically change the way we go to church. It would change how we serve. If you show up to church knowing, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. This is not about me. Mm -hmm. Um, What can I do today to make this about Christ? That means you have a heart of service. You are not caring if you get into the dang church and get to sit there for your 45 minutes while your kids get watched. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you're not like, is this music ministering to me? Because I have a very specific musical taste. Right. And Mm -hmm. this needs to really make me feel special. Yeah. Instead of being like, 
how can I make this better? How can I make this work? How can I serve them? Mm-hmm. And I, the same with our children. I mean, what happened in my marriage changed our finances. It changed our the way we parent. It changed the way we do relationships with other people. It changed the way we do church. It changed everything. And I think that's because when you, when the gospel takes root in your life, I feel like before I was just going around like, what's that game where you just like bop the alligator head? Yeah, you, uh-huh. like, yeah you're just bopping the things that pop up and you're just, and it's exhausting uh-huh. and you're just going to kill the next sin. And um, the gospel, when it takes root, it's, it's unlike anything else because it changes everything. So you're not managing sin. You're being changed. Mm. I don't, I am not drawn to that sin anymore. And when I am drawn, there is a deep reckoning in my soul that says no. Mm. And you know, that's what changes me. That's what makes me serve. I am serving unto the Lord. I'm not serving unto people. When you serve unto people, you're very disappointed mm-hmm. that people don't see what you're doing. They don't value right. what you're doing. Same with your children. You're doing that for your kids. Kids don't care. Mm-hmm. They are like, oh, that's so exciting that you stayed up all night. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. And with our marriage, I mean, it's this, I just, it's the same thing. Like, am I serving Aaron to make sure that I get what I want. Right. Or am I serving him or my children or my ministry or whatever right. to bring Jesus, it's to so, show Jesus? It's such a hard question to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard question to sit in. Yeah. We would all want to be like, of course not. Of course I'm serving the Lord. Right. <laughs> but, well, then, but then the, it seems like the litmus test of that would be, well, then when the shit storm comes, then right. what? Right. And not to say you need it all together to say like, okay, so when the storm comes, I'm going to be so rooted. (laughs) For me, the storm came and that's how I became rooted. But also, Jamie, you became rooted, but there was, when you talk about him bringing you into that like cliff area and the storm is there, I mean, you would not have recognized that, that that's what God was doing to you without him revealing that to you, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. Like it would have just seemed like you've left me in the storm. And I had to run into this yes place and protect myself. Uh-huh. But but his grace, he revealed that to you. Like, no, this is me. I'm, I've been here all along. I'm here through all yeah. of this. This is actually for your good. It was complete and utter kindness mm-hmm. to me. Everything about what happened was his kindness and I could not I don't I don't mind when people talk about they're angry at God. I'm like God can handle that. I mm-hmm. mean whatever. That's nothing new. But it was hard for me to be angry with a God that was so clearly and made it so apparent. And you're right. Even you can't even see his goodness. Apart from him, we are literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Like we can't even see what he's doing. We can't even right. open our eyes. Mm-hmm. We even our will to be saved. God says that was me. That's me drawing you. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's basically like there's nothing you can claim here on your own. Mm-hmm. And boy, that was just hard for me to believe, and sometimes still is. But don't you need me a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> don't you need me a little bit to show my husband the gospel? Mm-hmm. So I stayed. So, Hello, look at me. But when uh, we get a grasp of how worthless we are without him, 
then on in theory and in paper when you're like, well, of course I can forgive my husband. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's supernatural work, but it doesn't mean that it's not devastating to walk through. It doesn't mean we were not in incredible amounts of therapy together separately. And then, you know, then you go to these intensives, then we're going out of town. Then, I mean, yeah, there's, that was our full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to get through their craziness and their hardship and their suffering, and they want to do it alone because they don't want people to know mm-hmm. what's going on. They want to still protect. Usually they're protecting the person that did the right thing. You know, I don't want my husband to be embarrassed. Uh-huh. When really you're just getting in the way of a work God is doing. Yeah. I mean, there's no – I don't think you can do that alone. Yeah. Ours happened super, super fast. I don't know why. I don't know why God chose the timing of my husband didn't get, wasn't having an affair for very long. He got pulled out of his sin pretty quickly. Um, we were separated for a short time. He came back repentant in that time. I, I don't know why God chose to bind up our wounds that quickly. All I do know is that he doesn't work in time. And even when, when I was going through forgiveness and healing, I had felt like God had stretched my days into years. Mm. I mean, I felt like we were doing that much work on mm-hmm. the heart level that he had held the sun up for me every night and said, here's one more thing I want to do. Here's one more thing I want to do. I just, we can't look at time and say, since this is my story, it should be your story too. And you should go through this that quickly. And if he's really repentant, it'll be this. Right. Quickly. You know, everyone's story is different. And, and I, I, ours was quicker. I say quick, but you know, yeah. year of intense, whatever. And, um, but he changed us mm-hmm. and I had already had a platform before that a little bit blogging and remember that when mm-hmm. that was like, blogging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We are like, leaving comments on blog. Yes. That was a thing. Um, you know, I'd already had a little bit of a platform just telling stupid stories about my family. And and then, God, even that was like, this isn't for you, mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to use your voice. The person who had no voice will now have a voice. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about me. And so that's what, I, that's what I do. That's what I talk about. If I do a conference, if I do mops, if I do... Whatever, it's it's not about marriage, it's about the gospel. Love that so much. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood," she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. 
Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Okay, I'm going to end this marriage conversation with something you wrote on your blog two years ago. I'm going to read it. And uh-huh. I know that will make you cringe because that's like, <laughs> here are my words out open. And then I want to talk to you about three things you're loving and what you're reading and all that kind of stuff. So you said this two years ago on your blog. Are you ready? I'm so ready. This is a letter you wrote to your sister before she got married. Oh, gosh. Ring a bell? Uh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I write things and I I never sleep and I haven't slept for 10 years. So. <laughs> okay, here we go. You said when things get difficult, really difficult, don't look inward. Don't believe in yourself. Don't wake up and try harder. The answer is not inside of you, but outside of you. Simply ask God to show up and change your heart and mind. Ask him to help you love your husband like he loves your husband. And when you do it all wrong, when you mess up bad and hurt your husband, when you act stupid and say things you shouldn't have said, know that God still loves you. He will not turn away from you. He knows all the worst things about you and still chooses you. That is how you love each other. Not tips on communication, not better sex, not more kids, not a bigger house, not a better job. You wake up and ask God to help you love a person that is sometimes unlovable because you recognize that you, too, are the very same. Good news for newlyweds. You don't know what they're getting getting themselves into when they say, I do. None of us knew. Maybe God does that on purpose. Funny guy. That was a letter you wrote to your part of a letter you wrote to your sister yeah. before she was getting married. I needed to hear that. <laughs> and that is the that is a good marriage advice. You wake up every day and you love someone that is uh, even when they're unlovable because of how much God loves you. Goodness. And that's a wrap, folks, right there. Goodness. Do you remember does it t- say what sister I wrote that to? Uh yeah, let me look. It was a cute little wedding shower. And it says your baby sister's getting married in September. Uh-huh. Mags. Mags. You know, and the crazy thing about that is she's walking through a divorce. Wow. And she's young and dang it, I think this is my second time crying, which I I like to set records, so I mm-hmm. hope that's a record on your show. Mm-hmm. Um just a super rough abusive mm. situation and and you know she can't love that man enough mm. to make him change. And dang it, she tried so hard mm. and has all the markings to prove it. Mm. But, you know, that's the thing. is That's the thing about the gospel, and that's the thing about suffering. The gospel is, is good news. It's good news. It's not another brick in your backpack. And if Maggie were to say, I did, tried all the things. I I tried. I did all the things, and I followed all the rules, and it didn't work out for me. And I and if that was her gospel, then the failure would end up on her, and it would be her fault. But it's not. That's the good news. You can't guarantee that your marriage is going to be amazing just because you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Just because you said. I do, and I want to make this work. And, you know, suffering, you don't get to pick when it works out for you. Mm. So, you know, kind of walking through that, that is, that's refreshing for me to hear that. Um, and it's, you know what, I needed to hear that today. I'm so glad you you pulled that up. That's exactly what I needed to hear as I walk through with her, mm-hmm. what it means to love someone who is completely unlovable. Yeah. Well, those are your words. Well, they're his words. I, I think, you know, I wrote that all of my blogs are on 
10 years of having a lot of babies, a lot of life transitions, a lot of suffering, and just, you know, getting on the internet and writing things down. And, Mm -hmm. and God used a very weak woman in a weak spot to, um, preach the gospel. So I'm thankful for that. I don't, I don't even remember writing that. So, well, that's how God is. Um, Jamie, thanks for being so open and vulnerable about your marriage. Yeah. And if I could be completely honest with you before we move on, I have checked out your stuff. I haven't um, been in depth too much, and I hope that you don't take this the wrong way at all. Right. Um, When someone had said to me, which a handful of people, not just um, Shannon, a handful of people have said, you should have this woman on your show. Um, Her and her husband walked through an affair. And then I went through your blog and checked it all out. And until today, I thought you were the one that had the affair. Oh, really? Because of how much you are vulnerable about what God did in your life through that. I sort of love that. I think that's sort of cool as well, is that God moved you so much, and it wasn't even you that made this big, bad, scary sin that we think is the worst. Right. I love that so much. That's how good God is. Everyone thinks that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So, Jamie, tell me three things that you're loving right now that you want to, like, text your girlfriend and be like, you need to know about this. Okay. I am loving Home Fires on Masterpiece on PBS. Have you seen that? No. I am. Is it like a old period piece show? Yeah. I am not a fan. I cannot do it. It's, did you not like Downton Abbey either? We watched maybe three or four episodes and couldn't do it. You're a robot. That's okay. (laughs) I, it's somebody needed to tell you that. Well, for those of you who do kind of like period pieces. Which a lot of people do, obviously. Hello. Obs, because they're not robots. Exactly. Um, It's called Home Fires. It's, but here's what I love about it. It deals with a lot of women's issues. Uh, women having a voice, Mm -hmm. women trying to make a way in a man's world. And I have been dealing with that so much this year as I have started working again, trying to figure out where I fit in. Mm. Um, And and I feel like it's still a man's world. And that's like a whole nother thing for a whole nother time. But I, this show has just been so therapeutic for me. It's, it's the same. I feel so like, okay, I'm not the only one. Women have been struggling through this for a long time. For a long time. Right. And it's just so good. It's very well done. Home fires, so good. Okay, home fires. Number two. Number two. Uh, let's see. You didn't even. You didn't give me like a warning on this. I didn't. I don't have a list. Okay, nineteen eighty nine by Ryan Adams. Not okay, Adams. Ryan. I got R. it. Yep. He covers. Um, what's her name? Taylor. Taylor Swift's album from front to back, but it's in his voice and style, and it is changing my life. I've heard amazing things about it. I mean, you, listen, you're welcome mm-hmm. for today. You're going to download it and be like, my life has changed. It's amazing. I have the gospel and Ryan Adams together cannot <laughs> stop. It's so good, and then it makes me like think uh, how good of a songwriter Taylor Swift is. I mean, I love pop music. Yeah. But, and I always hear like, I love to find like, the gospel in pop music and all this stuff because that's weird and fun for me. But it makes me love Taylor Swift as a songwriter, and I've never seen her as a songwriter. I've seen she's her as, a great songwriter. She's a great songwriter. I just needed to hear it in a different mm-hmm. way. Voice, yeah, 
Yeah. And so, you know what you should do? You should do like a blog series about the gospel in Taylor Swift songs. I have a hashtag called let's get crazy. And I just listen to the radio and sometimes I'll write it on my chalkboard, like a lyric that I love. And what's uh, it called? Let's get crazy. Let's get crazy. It's so nerdy. I haven't done it in a long time, but I, I used to do it like every week I would listen to lyrics and then, and then we did like a thing where everyone did it and they wrote it on the chalkboard. And how do you spell crazy? Let's get crazy. It's super fun. How do you spell crazy though? Well, praise E with a Y. With a Y. Okay. E R A I S E Y. E Y, I think, or Y. I don't know. Just, you know, search for it. And the Lord will minister. (laughs) I love that. I'm a nerd in that I sometimes I hear pop music and I start crying in the car. And it's like a love song to, you know, some girl. And I think, no, that's Jesus. Jesus. It's so nerdy. It's so terrible. Well, you know what? I'll tell you how I am totally like just like tear the gospel apart is my husband writes worship music. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish he was seeing that about me. He's seeing it about Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm sure that God is like, you are like sacrilegious right now. Your husband wrote a song about Jesus and you are acting like that's about you. Hello. Something's wrong with me. Is okay, your third thing you're loving. <sighs> this is like random. I'm like looking around at my room right now and trying to find a third thing, but um, gosh, I think it will be the plaid movement. Oh, I have, I, I have one plaid thing that's not okay. I feel like you need at least five to seven plaid shirts. I can't stop buying plaid shirts, really, it's become a problem. Like, my husband's like, hey, I see that you like plaid. You are on the movement. <laughs> but but you shouldn't buy a, um, you know, what do you call those? A rolling pin that's plaid because it's at Target. <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't know. I feel like that's too far. That is hilarious. Oh, is it? Because, yeah, so I have a million plaid shirts. I love them. They go with everything. You, you know, they're like. It's a button up. So you're like, yeah. I'm amazing and skinny right now. Right? It doesn't matter. You know, what so you I've just- been following this new Instagram account called Gray Monroe. Ooh, what is that? She sells clothes. So it's like a boutique. Yeah. You can just buy it online or whatever. And I'm looking at it right now. And you know what? It's just full of plaids. Yeah. Because it's so good. Yes. There's this like plaid cardigan that I really, really, really want. With elbow patches. Ooh. I know. I'm going to have to t- buy myself that today. You're going to have to think, pray about that fast. Fast <laughs> in between snack and lunch. And then see what I come up with. And see what the Lord is saying about that purchase. Okay. I love your three things. Um, are you a reader? I want to be a reader, but I'll tell you, in these 10 years, it's been a dry run. I can tell you, Danny and the Dinosaur has been little <laughs> in these last Clifford, crazy gospel implications. Love Um, it. (laughs) I am. I. I am reading right now. I'm reading um, Brene Brown's Rising Strong. Yes. And by reading, I mean audio book, listening in the bathtub. Oh, Audible's the best. Audible for president. Yes. Yeah, and that's um, that's been so 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 good. You know, Brene. Everybody loves Brene. Yes, so good. I recently was listening to her on a podcast. I'm like, oh, this is such good stuff. I just want to take notes on everything. It's so good. Yeah, so wonderful. Um, 
Okay, I love everything about you, Jamie Nader. I'm so glad we met today. Now we're going to be BFFs. Yep. I'll send you a simple, you know, BFF necklace sometime soon. Like half of it, though? Yeah, like the yin or the yang. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know which one you prefer, but that I, that might have got weird right there. But maybe more of a <laughs> maybe more of the words like best friend. I don't know. Okay, but okay. Well, this is random. This show. I mean, I'm so far ahead of my life here, which is crazy. Is not coming out to the end of December. So, wow. so people are listening to this and they're like on their way to their in laws for Christmas, or they're on their way to crazy Aunt Martha's house or whatever they're doing. Is this like after Christmas? No, it's before. before. Okay. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. So thankful I could share this sojourn of you (laughs) dreading getting into your in-laws house right now. Do y'all have a Christmas tradition that's like your thing? Um, I do. We do. I love kind of, you know, you pull things from your childhood that you loved Mm -hmm. and, or you make your new things. And I grew up in a gigantic family, so there's eight of us kids. Are you kidding and me? No, I know. And we're not Mormon or Catholic, but whatever. Wow. That's my, the second question. So my mom was just trying to, you know, like, we just got to get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some traditions, but they're very few. But one thing that we do that's our thing is every we get a real Christmas tree every year, and we cut the bottom off. Um, you know, so you have like discs and we write the year on it oh. and I sometimes write on the back of it kind of what's going on. So uh-huh. new baby or what, that's a lot of them. It's like yeah. baby coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I was like pregnant for 10 years. Yeah. And, um, and so, but I love those discs. We stack them up tall and it just, of course I, you know, I've already cried two times, so I'm not going to do it again, but I cry every time we pull those discs out the the stack is high now because there's ten Christmases that we've had together. Yeah, and and it's funny though those lean years where it was hard and it was rough. They are skinny little because you know we got the tiniest little Charlie Charlie Brown tree because uh-huh. that's what we could afford. Right, and they are they're the skinniest little discs, and then and they're right there kind of on the front end. Um, but the stacks are high, and I think we don't deserve any of these years together. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. So I love pulling those out. I love the story that we'll be able to tell our kiddos when they're old enough to understand what the what that means for our family. You know, that's really cool. Can I ask a really stupid question? Yeah, when you cut off the tree part of the bottom, right? It just stays like that forever. Well, maybe you're supposed to like seal it or well, something. That's what I'm asking. Have you noticed any, any? I mean, they look well. I mean, this is a great idea. So I want people to be no, prepared. I, it doesn't. It's they have remained amazing. Okay, that's, I'm sure you could seal them or shellac them or something. <laughs> this shellac. Is a, this is a Pinterest moment. Where do you display them? I well, it just depends. You know, you could put them in like a glass. You know, those giant glass orbs. Or whatever, but my kids break everything. So like nothing <laughs> sacred, so we don't have glass orbs anywhere. Right. There's no, like apothecary, beautiful situations here. But yeah. I put them on the mantle. Usually, I stack them tall. Okay. I'm just it. proud of them. I'm, yeah, I like love what God's done. It's like your it's little not, Ebenezer moment. Like, look at where really we've been. Is. Yeah, 
It really, and it's a conversation starter too. I mean, we moved out, we moved out to the suburbs from the city this year, which is like, I feel like opposite of cool right now, but, um, but I felt like God called us out here, which is, uh-huh, funny. Yeah, uh-huh. And God is super hilarious. And a lot of our friends are not believers. And so we use our marriage story a lot of times to as, as kind of an avenue to let people know that we are super messed up, but look what God has done. Right. We tell anybody who will listen to that story because we just feel like God parted the waters and he made this miracle and we can't shut up about it. Love so it so much. It's just the best. Harder. Yes. Jamie, thanks so much for joining me. You guys, I just adore my friend Jamie Nato and have gotten to be around her a lot more in the past year. And just she's the real deal. And her and her husband, Mark, are really, really coming alongside people and saying, hey, we want to walk through this with you. And so I hope this episode was encouraging to you. This uh, Flashback Friday episode from 2016, number 68, and now have her back on uh, to give us a little update. And I was encouraged by her finding the joy in walking alongside each other. Happy July 4th weekend to all of our American listeners. Happy wedding weekend to our friends Alex and Laura getting married this weekend. You guys, today's show was edited by the team at Podshaper. The show notes are written by Abby Castell. Music is developed for the show by Matt Graham. Produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. And I'm so grateful you were here. Guys, have a happy hour with a friend. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.